Hello and welcome. This is a podcast explaining Ukraine by ukraineworld.org. We continue our podcasts about the war which Russia started against Ukraine. The series is brought to you by Internews Ukraine and Ukraine Crisis Media Center, two Ukrainian media NGOs. My name is Vladimir Yatmolenko. I am editor-in-chief of ukraineworld.org. We are making this podcast with Tatyana Harko, who is in charge of international outreach at Ukraine Crisis Media Center. Hello, Tanya. Hello, Vladia. Before we start, let me remind you that you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash ukraineworld. So we continue our series about the war. You probably hear the air, air sirens. And uh, for us Ukrainians, it became a kind of a very habitual situation to live, to work under the air sirens. So we, we will try to make this uh, this episode uh, despite despite the, uh, the, the this uh, we are going to talk about the atrocities which are now we are living through and primarily the city of Mariupol we want to uh, to draw attention of everybody in the world to this city to this it's it, it's tragic history right now I would like to first quote Alexander Sushko my colleague who wrote on Twitter recently that uh, Mariupol is Srebrenica and Aleppo in one city. So uh, the genocide, huge genocide against civilians and extermination of people and extermination, destruction of the city itself. What what would you say? Yes, indeed, uh, for two weeks, more than two weeks already, this is maybe the most tragic city in all the Ukrainian territory. We know that Mariupol has a very important symbolic not only symbolic, but strategic uh, significance for Russian Federation. Because on one side, this was, it has been after Russian aggression in Donbass and after parts of these territories were occupied back in 2014-15, Mariupol was free. Mariupol was, belonged to Ukraine. And during all these years, we were testimony um, kind of uh, Ukrainian renaissance in the city. I remember visiting Mariupol back in 2015. It was kind of, you know, frontiers city, very close to the war, but at the same time not belonging to these new so-called republics. And during all these years, I remember a huge number of cultural initiatives of any kind of cultural projects linked to Mariupol, because uh, Ukraine did everything possible to make this city like a symbolic, uh, symbolic gesture, symbolic city for, for 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 Russians for occupied t- territory. Saying, look, this is city uh, which is also Donetsk region, this big city, and it look what does life looks like when it is Ukrainian. And uh, I remember President Zelensky, when he came in power, he built a road, big, good road, real road to Mariupol, Mariupol, and there were a lot of international events as well during these last years. So Mariupol was like a forepost of Ukraine in the eastern Ukraine. But for Russia, uh, they need Mariupol because the army is approaching from two sides, from the east, I mean, from occupied territories and Russian, Russia territory, and on the other side, from south, uh, southwest from Crimea, all these divisions of Russian army who come from there, and uh, Mariupol is uh, they need Mariupol just to make this um, um, access to to create this access from Russian Federation to Crimea. Uh, that's why uh, they are. Uh, 
the idea and they're trying to do everything possible to take the city. But the problem is that the Ukrainian army was present at the time, at, in, in, during the start of this attack there, and they started defending the city. But the problem is that they are surrounded and um, Russian aviation started bombarding city. And what we know as for now, it's between maybe 90% of buildings are destroyed or at least are touched in the city. There is for for two weeks already, there is no water, no um, food, no electricity, no almost no internet. There is one place, as uh, journalists report, one place in the city where you can capture internet, but it is in constant sharing, and uh, no heating. So this is like uh, like a city in the ruins, and people they live in 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 the underground, and uh, from. Two weeks, uh, there were no evacuations at all because Russian army was against any kind of any kind of evacuation. But during last days, we've seen uh, seen several evacuations started with uh, people were able to leave with their private cars, and at that very moment when we are talking. The approximate number of uh, inhabitants of Mariupol who were succeeded, succeeded to leave is about 40,000, maybe, something like 40,000 for, for a city which has 400,000 people, so 10% of, of the population. And we, are, we still don't know the exact number of victims, but we've seen images from the inside of Mariupol and these these collective tombs. I mean, people are buried everywhere and a, a lot of people died. Thousands of people died already. We, n- nobody knows the exact number. We Several days ago, there was a number, 2,000 people, something bigger than 2,000 people, but we have heard uh, Petron Drushenko, who is the advisor to the mayor, who is saying that the number is actually much, much higher, and he even called the, the, the figure 20,000 people. And uh, what we see in the images, you can refer to, you can go to our YouTube, Ukraine World YouTube, and we recently published uh, a video, Save Mariupol, in which you can you can see the footages, the horrible footages of the, of the city practically destroyed. So from what we see uh, from the witnesses, they're saying that probably 80% of buildings are in this or other way touched by the shellings. And uh, let me just read one of the posts of, of, of a person who escaped Mariupol. She's a woman. And uh, we, we've seen the English translation on Twitter by Roman Sheremeta. Uh, a, a few just fragments. You can go to Roman Sheremeta Twitter account to get the full post, but uh, just a few fragments out of it. There is no connection in the city, no water, no gas, no ambulances. People with torn limbs bleed in their yards and no one can help them. There are peaceful people, these are peaceful people, our acquaintances and relatives. The dead are simply being covered by soil where they lay. We collected snow, warmed it on a campfire and cooked macaroni. My family was in the bomb shelter of high school number two. Three days ago, a shell flew there and shattered some of the windows. A woman was wounded in her hip. She laid all night on the first floor and the high school, uh, in the, of the high school asking for someone to give her poison so that she would not feel the pain. There was no one to take her to the hospital. Every day and every night there are fire shots, whistles, shaking walls and horror. 
Where will it hit? Doctors from hospital number three, the part that survived, work heroically. They perform surgeries, they save people. The woman with the wounded hip was taken by the Red Cross within a day. I pray for her to survive. Two shells flew in, into our building and two into our yard. There are almost no shelters in the city left, no bunkers with ventilation. At best, people hide in basements. My mom's building doesn't have a basement. People need to be taken out, women, children, elderly, elderly people. Give us buses, a green corridor, make us make an arrangement. There is no food, no medicine. When there will be no snow, snow people won't be able to go out for water. Pharmacies, grocery stores, everything is either looted or burned. The dead are not taken out. The police recommends to open the windows and put the corpses on the balcony. And uh, there are other, other fragments like this, so you can... I don't know if we can imagine what is happening, right? right yeah, right, we there, cannot right there. imagine. And uh, we also have some personal links to the city. I personally know one journalist. Her name is Yulia Garkusha. She's maybe something like 40 years old, maybe 30-something, 40 years old. We met several times in Kiev, and I also know her son, Nestor, who is something between four and five years old. And uh, I contacted her several weeks ago because we had some, um, some common projects and fixers with international media, I was president of Mariupol, etc., etc. And then one day in the beginning of March, I wrote her and I got no reply. I was, I was not worried because I think that I, I thought that they will be able anyway to go out of the city. But um, several days ago, her ex-husband published a video. You've probably seen this video. This is the only video I know from the uh, underground of this dramatic theater from this bomb shelter and he was asking in Facebook can you people who know my ex-wife can you confirm that she she's here on this very second I looked to this video and I also I'm 99% sure it was Yula and other people were commenting saying yes we were able to recognize her son so what we know that she was in this underground on this video just before the bomb arrived yeah. So let, let us remind that Russians shelled heavily this the theater. drama theater, uh, a big building where thousands of people were uh, looking for shelter, and they knew actually that uh, these these people are there. Before the bombing, we have seen even the post by Ria Novosti, which is a Russian propaganda channel uh, news agency, saying that Azov Battalion is hiding in this building. As of one of the battalions which are defending the city, uh, heroically defending the mm -hmm. city. So we know that in the foreign press, press there is still this nightmare propaganda about neo-Nazi in Ukraine. You, you should, you, you should uh, be skeptical about that. Should be skeptical about that. You, you should, you should understand that these people are defending the city against the real Nazis, who is the Russian army. And uh, and this Ria Novosti just uh, published the news, uh, well, according to its information, that Azov Battalion is making a headquarters there, and uh, this is kind of a indication that they will strike this drama theater because 
what is important. Now they are saying it's not uh, it's not Russians, of course. They are saying that it is Azov Battalion itself who is bombed the drama theater. But obviously, I hope uh, we hope that nobody believes them. Uh, we had the news that uh, some of the people from the Sunday Ground Drama Theater have been evacuated uh, out of uh, after the strike, and uh. that bomb shelter has survived the strike. But uh, it still seems that. Hundreds of people are still there. Yeah, uh, to, to to tell the exact numbers, what we know from media, from official sources, it about 150 something like that, 130 persons alive were able to 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 go out, but according to official resources, there were more than 1,000 inside, so 1,300 something like that, and um, so we can imagine that. Uh, and then then special services and soldiers were not able to evacuate people from the underground because of shellings, because the Russian army continued to, to shell this place. So it, it's impossible. Can you imagine the horror these people in the underground are living for two days already because they are unable to go out of this trap? And at the same time, we can imagine that there is maybe no, no electricity, nothing at all in the uh, underground. So we can... E- I cannot even imagine what's happening there in the minutes we are talking about that. And we do pray we do pray that something could happen, a miracle could happen just to save these people because we know, and what you can see on the videos, there are a lot of children inside. There were a lot of children inside and even newborns, children. So, um, so there is no name for such a cruelty, for such an inhumane behavior of Russians. And when they are talking about genocide, about this um, genocide, like uh, something they were accusing Ukrainians, um, what they do in Mariupol, I have no no other word just to name what they are doing there. They're just trying to exterminate, to kill everybody, to kill every single person, every single civilian, every single baby who is inside the city. So they're not distinguishing between military, I don't know, Azov battalion and women and kids, etc., etc. So this is something which is uh, quite simply impossible. We have the interceptions of Russian soldiers exchanging information between them, the, uh, themselves and saying, uh, quote, uh, I don't give a fuck about the civilians there. We're going, we're going to shoot anyway. And uh, uh, there, was, there were lots of photos you probably have seen in the Internet that <clears throat> uh, seeing from the skies uh, down to this drama theater in Mariupol, you could, you could see big inscription, children, deity, in Russian. Mm-hmm. which was supposed to give a sign to those bombers that uh, there are children inside. But they didn't care. They, they bombed anyway. Uh, so this is, uh, this is the situation. We have seen also the address, uh, recently addressed one of the fi- Ukrainian fighters, who is, I think, the head of the Mariupol police, who was calling President Zelensky to provide anti-air systems to Mariupol. The, the problem is that Mariupol is cut from the other Ukrainian army, but this is kind of a also a, a, a call of, of despair of all Ukrainians about the anti-air systems, about closing the sky, at least on some territories, at least on, on such territories as Mariupol, who are continue to be uh, cruelly, inhumanely shelled by, by, by the Russians. And as you said, there were several attempts to, to provide humanitarian corridors. There were 
shelled and bombed by Russians. I think that the the was success in the in the in the in the past days. So, as you said, forty thousand. Yeah, is it yeah. true? Forty thousand people left. Forty thousand people yeah, left. They they were going to Berdyansk normally, and then. Uh, then to other cities in central Ukraine, I've read um, several days ago a te- um, testimony of one family, a very devastating story, heartbreaking story about that they took their private car, they still had their private car, they were starting to moving, and after Mariupol, their um, car was bombed, was, sh- was shelled, was bombed, it was kind of bombing, and uh, the car was damaged. And they couldn't move any any further, so they left all baggages, everything they had inside the car, and they just walked, walked until the first village, and then they were able to escape. I cannot imagine such a such a sorrow just to leave your your city. There is nothing, nothing left in your city, nothing left from your house. You have no things now, even baggages. You have nothing at all. And you are happy that you are alive. I imagine so. That in coming weeks, let's hope that they at least somebody from Mariupol will survive and will be able to go out. So, what is urgent? It is to create any kind of humanitarian aid because there are people who are traumatized to an ex- extent we cannot imagine. Just to help them with everything, with financing, with found a place to live, find doctors, uh, I don't know, psychologists, ev- everything. Because it, we cannot, you cannot imagine this, tr- this experience when you leave for weeks without any kind of civilization and you are bombed at every minute. So this is something people are traumatized for, 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 for years, I, I imagine. So we are to create foundations and to, 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 to find and to create any kind of solution for these people. And at the same time, the Russians are cheering uh, yesterday uh, the uh, anniversary of the occupation of Crimea. They already sh- uh, um, use this Z letter on every occasion. It's, it's. I mean, it's, it's, it's. For for me, it's it's a um, it's a mixture of absurdity and uh, and uh, comicness because they they put this Z letter, which is. I mean, if you add another Z letter, you will have a Nazi swastika, and they they're still saying that they are they are fighting against the Nazis. And, and yeah. And another maybe important thing to to tell now is that uh, Russians are doing whatever they can just to hide what they were doing in Mariupol. Let's talk about Victoria Roshina. Victoria Roshina, it's our colleague, journalist from Chromatsky, from the channel where we were both working with you f- for several years. And she were, she was in Berdyansk. In Berdyansk, she was shooting, she was making some articles, some material about uh, people from Mariupol who were successful enough to get out of the city. And what we know uh, now is that she was, she's imprisoned now by Russian FSB or something like that. We, um, the channel has no news from her for two or three days already. And there is a international alert and we need all kind of pressure to try to to get her out of this um, of this situation, she was working on the article about people from Mariupol. She was in Berdyansk, 
making something like that. She is now in hands of Russians. If we cannot imagine what's happening with her, we do know that her last post on Facebook what was about saying that I will never, for, I will never for, forgive Russia for what they are doing on our land. She was describing her journey. That time it was in central Ukraine. She she she, she saw some tanks, etc. She was lucky enough to escape, and uh, so. They they are arresting journalists who are covering this situation about Mariupol because I'm all convinced that Victoria was talking to people and they were talk, uh, telling the story of this um, of of their city of what was really going on in Mariupol. Yes, and uh, and the Russians, the cynicism of Russians is that uh, basically they started Putin started the war to protect the. Occup- uh, the the people in Donbas. Uh, the the war was initially started as a special operation in Donbas, and uh, and he was saying that look, I'm going to save Donbas from genocide from Ukrainians because they were shelling uh, you know Donbas cities during eight years, which was basically he was referring to the war which Russia started, and of course the, it it was an artillery war and. Uh, maybe victims from both sides so but what he's doing now he's just destroying donbass cities he doesn't care about donbass citizens he's destroying mariupol which is a, a big donbass city he's destroying volnovakha he's destroying shasta he's destroying stanitsa luhanska he's basically killing the donbass population donbass dwellers people he was saying he would protect that's the cynicism of the of the of the story of the of the, of history, so this is the Russian logic. If you if they want to save somebody, they kill somebody, and mm-hmm. they, and this is what 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 is happening. Okay, we will uh, follow up the story, but please uh, tell everybody this name Mariupol, which is a Greek name by the way, because it was a city of Greek settlers, and uh, the the name which means the 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 city of Mary. And it was already reacted by Pope Francis, who who said that this city is the martyr city. This this is what's happening. And we have other Greek named cities like Melitopol or some others in this part of the of of Donbas, which is very rich in nationalities, which in which there are Ukrainians, Crimean Tatars, Greeks, Serbs, Croatians, Germans, Russians, whatever else. Uh, so we ask you to to spread this uh, knowledge about Mariupol. Go to our Twitter, Ukraine World, where we post a lot of videos uh, so that you can see with your eyes Ukraine World on Twitter. And go to our YouTube, Ukraine World, uh, and the video Save Mariupol, and you will also see lots of lots of lots of videos from there. This was a podcast explaining Ukraine. My name is Volodymyr Yermolenko. I'm chief editor of ukraineworld.org. And I was joined by Tetyana Harkova, who is in charge of international communications at Ukraine Crisis Media Center. You can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash ukraineworld. Follow us on any possible platform, SoundCloud, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, YouTube. Stay with us and stand with Ukraine.